It's good to see everybody on this uh, Groundhog Day slash Super Bowl Sunday slash my middle son Wes's birthday party day. It's a big day. We're starting a new series uh, for February called This, Not That, God's Life Hacks. You know, at the beginning of the year, I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of people do New Year's resolutions or they pick one word, that's going to be their word for the year, or God gives them a word and that's their word for the year. And a lot of times we try to change things, we try to change maybe exercise routines or diets or something like that, and, and it's always good to have some life hacks, right? So in this series, what we're going to actually talk about is kind of life, God's life hacks for your spiritual life this year in 2020. Uh, so that you can grow and you can mature in Christ, and this, this hopefully by the end of this series, give you, give you guys some shortcuts, some life hacks in, in uh, following the Lord. And this idea of this, not that, came from uh, this idea, this guy, David, who wrote this book, Eat This, Not That. What I love about this is that he doesn't contrast a Whopper with cheese with like a kale salad. You know what I mean? He like makes it real. Like, if you're going to have a burger, have a Big Mac, not a Whopper with cheese. And if this is true, if you eat a Big Mac instead of a Whopper with cheese, uh, you save, I think, 200 calories and 20 grams of fat. And we're not, you know, I mean, no one's saying Big Mac is health food, right? But what his whole point in this book is if you make simple, small life decisions, they can add up, you know, to like losing 30 pounds, right? Because no one is going to decide a kale salad over a Whopper. Okay, I'm not, but you might. That's great. Yay, kale. Awesome. You and your quinoa can go do your thing. I'm going to have a burger, you know. I just need somebody to tell me the healthiest burger I can eat, you know, Um, and so that's kind of what this series is going to do, right? We're going to kind of talk about uh, options that we have that, that, that are doable in our spiritual life, right? Did you know that if you had a quarter pounder from Wendy's with the bowl of chili and like an unsweetened tea instead of a double cheeseburger from Hardee's, which is Carl's Jr., and fries and a Coke, uh, the difference between the two, you'd think there's not much difference, right? I'm eating, I'm eating crap. Like it's not, <laughs> there's no difference here. There's actually a huge difference. If you ate this instead of this, you'd save 2,000 calories or something. It's like bonkers. I know. I know. Run out and buy this book. Um, It's insane if you make simple life choices. It's kind of what we're getting at. You guys have seen the life hacks, right, on on the internet. You know, they're really interesting. Um, These are just some ones that I found that I thought would be good for all of us. So this is the first one. If you want to chill your wine, you can freeze grapes. So instead of watering down your wine with ice, you know, some people put wine in ice cubes and freeze them, but that takes way too much work and planning. Like, who has planned that far ahead? And it seems like you're wasting wine in the little ice cube trays. Um, So if you just buy a thing of grapes, throw them in your freezer, next time you want a glass of wine to keep it cold, you can take out some frozen grapes and throw it in your wine. It's a great little life hack, right? College student, this one's for you. You can double up on your hangers with a Coke-like soda top, right? Use those soda tabs to create extra hanging space. You got one hanger, put that soda tab on there. You can hang something else. You like double your closet just like that. It's not very expensive. I think everybody can afford a few tabs off of their sodas, right? 
this last one is good for, for those of you moving or those of you doing you know, home improvements. Throw a rubber band around your paint can and, and you've got a little, little thing to wipe the paint off. Who, you know, who would have think about it? And these are like, life hacks are all about taking something you wouldn't necessarily think about and applying it to something else, right? That's kind of what we're going to do for our spiritual lives in this series. All right, so this, not that, God's life hack. God's life hack, number one. This is the first one. We're going to cover four in this series. Number one is this, obedience over sacrifice. Now, I know they both seem like good things, and they both are good things, but we're going to break down why if you're at a fork in a road and you have a decision between obedience and sacrifice, always go with obedience. Here's why. Obedience will require sacrifice, but sacrifice does not always require obedience. If you obey, inevitably, you're probably going to have to sacrifice something. But just sacrifice in and of itself does not always please the Lord. This kind of comes in in this interaction that God has and Samuel has with the first king of Israel, the king King Saul. And King Saul was, was awesome. He was God's anointed until he wasn't. And then David took the throne because... God basically got tired of Saul's disobedience. And so here's where that happens in 1 Samuel 15. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Samuel was like that prophet guy, right? He was the one that would speak truth to the king, to King Saul. So the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and God said, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul has gone down to Carmel, and there he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. So this is interesting. Samuel has a word of the Lord that because Saul's been disobedient, like this is not going to go well for him. So Samuel's brokenhearted over it, and Samuel is walking up to Saul. Now Saul's happy because he thinks he has been obedient. Did you notice that? Saul actually thinks he did do what the Lord told him to do. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Watch what happens next. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Oh, yeah, I brought back Agag, their king. And then the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Did you you notice the the shifting there, the equivocation? Did you notice how Saul said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. We went and we went to war against the Amalekites. His assignment was to wipe out everything, including the cattle, including the plunder. Cattle was like money back then. It 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 was how you saw wealth, right, and riches. Holy moly. That is loud. Sorry about that. Um, can, you, can you turn that up to like 72 or 3 or something? Um, so 
Back to this story. Saul's like, I did obey. It's just that I took the best of the animals. I took the best of the animals, and instead of just destroying them, because that didn't make any sense to me, why would you go and, and conquer a kingdom and then just kill all the animals and not dedicate them to the Lord? So here's what I did. I took some of that plunder, and I actually offered it as a sacrifice to the Lord. Do you see what Saul is doing here? He's saying, yes, I didn't do exactly what God told me to do, but based on my understanding, this was a better thing to do. Like, it was better to take these animals instead of just wiping them out. It was better just to take them and offer them to God as an offering, right? God will be pleased with my sacrifice. He'll be pleased with my offering. I dedicated the animals to him after all. But that wasn't the case. Here's what Samuel replied. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Guys, I want you to let that sink in. God says, yeah, you you sacrificed all those animals to me. Congratulations. But you missed it. You missed it because I don't care about your sacrifices. What I care about is your obedience. To obey is better than to sacrifice. In order to sacrifice all those animals to the Lord, Saul essentially had to disobey first. Obedience is better than sacrifice. We see this in David. David was the very next king, and I wonder if he learned something from Saul. I wonder if he saw Saul's life and said, you know what? I'm going to try not to make that mistake where I'm sacrificing and doing all these things for the Lord, but not obeying him. Watch what he writes in the Psalms. This is a Psalm of David, Psalm 40. He says, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burn offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. It's like David learned this lesson by watching what happened to Saul. And then he writes again. David writes again in Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. David got the message. I could sacrifice a thousand cattle, but it doesn't matter if my heart is disobedient, if my heart is not softened towards you, if I, if I don't have a broken heart toward you. You don't care about the thousand sacrifices. But you do care about my heart. You do care about obedience. It doesn't stop here, guys. The prophets pick it up. We just did a sermon series on Jeremiah. Jeremiah picks up on this theme. In verse 7, or chapter 7, he says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead and add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. See, the Lord was saying, it's not just about you obeying me, although that's kind of the first deal, the first priority, but understand that when you obey me, it's going to go well for you. When you obey me, your life will go better. It will go well for you if you can just stay with me and obey what I tell you to do. And this isn't the last time we see this in the scriptures. Actually, Jesus 
has this interesting interaction with a guy who has a question for him. And this same theme comes up again in Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom of God. See, this guy got it. He got it, that it was more important that his love, his, his heart was inclined towards love, towards God, loving his neighbor, and that that was more important than all the sacrifices. And when he saw that in this guy, Jesus says, you're close. You're really close. This is what the kingdom is all about. You're so close, man. You're right here. Obedience over sacrifice. Obedience will require sacrifice, but sacrifice does not always require obedience. Here's why I think sometimes we choose sacrifice over obedience. When we put sacrifice before obedience, here's sometimes what I think we're doing. First, we're often trying to stay in control. Because that's what Saul was trying to do. God said to Saul, wipe out the Amalekites, wipe out the cattle, don't take any plunder for yourself. And Saul said, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, th- I think I've got a better way of doing this, God. W- what if I take this and I'll bring back the king and we'll keep some of the animals and, and, and after all, we'll sacrifice them to you. Isn't that what you want? Like, it's a control issue. God, I don't understand how you operate. And because I don't understand how you operate, I'm going to stay in control here. I'm going to do it my way. So we'll choose sacrifice over obedience. I think sometimes we're often working off of our own understanding, again with Saw. We think, okay, Lord, you told me to do that, but that doesn't make sense, and I don't understand it. So because I don't understand it, I'm not going to obey. And I feel like, especially in the Western world, this is very much how we operate as Christians. If I don't understand it first, I'm not obligated to obey. But that is not in the Bible. In fact, it's quite the opposite. God says, you obey, and I'll show you what this was about later. And then you'll understand. And it's, guys, we do this with our kids. Like, imagine if I told my son to clean his room, and his response to me was, well, Dad, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, you really have to explain that to me before I go clean my room. Does that sound right? Well, son, I'm glad you asked. Let me stop my day and explain to you that people are coming over later, and I didn't tell you about that. There's a surprise party happening, and so I'm going to reveal that to you that I wasn't going to reveal that till later, but since you asked, I'm going to stop everything, not require you to obey me in this moment. I'm going to explain everything to you first so it's easier for you to obey me. Is that good parenting? That's terrible. By the way, don't do that. That's terrible parenting. Yes, we want our kids to understand, but if I explained every single time, do you know what that develops? In my kids, it develops 
this idea that they deserve to understand before they have to obey me. That they have a right to understand before they obey me. Um, that's not what I want to instill in my kids. What I want to instill in my kids is, go clean your room. We can talk later about why I'm asking you to do that. But in that moment, I need them to obey. Because imagine the kid is walking, the three-year-old is walking towards the curb, and there's cars coming. And I say, stop. What do I need them to do in that moment for their own safety? Here's what I don't need. Um, Dad, I'm going to keep walking because I don't understand why you told me to do that. And when I understand, that's when I'll listen to you. That's dangerous for that kid to do that. They are putting their own lives at risk. Guys, when we do that to God, we're doing the same thing. We're putting our own lives at risk. No, we obey before we understand. Last thing, we are doing things for God rather than with God. I think Saul was like, God, look at all this I've done for you. Look at all the sacrifices I've made, right? Doesn't that credit to my account where I kind of get to do things my own way? We, we want to do things for God sometimes and, and somehow like have him owe us as if he didn't die on the cross for us, as if he owes us anything else. No, God would rather us not do things for him. God wants to do it with us. Like a good father, he wants to be with us in this journey. He doesn't want slaves. He wants sons and daughters. So here's, I think, the difference between true obedience and what I might call imitation of obedience. That's this kind of sacrifice mindset. True obedience starts with surrender. And what I mean by that is this. Surrender is a little different than obedience. Obedience is doing what God wants in the moment. Surrender is deciding ahead of time that God has our yes. Do you guys see the difference there? Here's what surrender looks like. It looks like waking up in the morning and in your prayer time with the Lord saying, God, whatever you ask me to do today, my answer is yes. And I don't even know what it is yet. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. But I'm going to tell you my answer ahead of time. The answer is yes, I will do it. That's surrender, guys. Then, when you get throughout your day and the Lord actually asks you to do that thing, obedience is when you follow through on the yes that you gave that morning. What comes out of that kind of obedience is going to be a sacrifice. He's going to ask you to do things that are uncomfortable. He's going to ask you to do things that press you out of your comfort zone. He's going to ask you to do things that don't feel like you. He's going to ask you to do things that you don't understand, and it's going to require a little bit of death to yourself, a little bit of sacrifice. But see, the surrender and the obedience come before the sacrifice, which leads to this thing that we've been wanting, which is understanding. If we're willing to make the sacrifice, then God says, now let me tell you what that was about. Guys, the number is too many times to count that I've worked through this process. And sometimes it's weeks later, and sometimes it's months later. I had no idea what God was doing. He was asking me to obey. I did not understand it. It required sacrifice. And months later, he said, hey, Mark, you remember that thing? Now I'm going to show you why. And then he opened it, and it was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. 
God, why didn't you make it easier on me and just tell me that ahead of time? It would have made obedience so much easier. And then he reminded me, he wants me to obey out of my intimacy with him, not out of my understanding. Because if I only obey out of my understanding, that's a dangerous place for me to be. Now, imitation, obedience, this is sort of the unpleasing sacrifice. It starts with our understanding. Well, I got I gotta this has to make sense to me, God. This has to make sense to me. And then, just like Saul, it leads to a sacrifice first. You know the whole getting rid of all those cattle? That doesn't make any sense. So what I'm gonna do is it's gotta make sense to me, and I'm gonna keep some of the plunder, and then I'm gonna offer God. But see, I'm I'm good, I'm good. I'm I'm doing what you told me to do because I'm offering it to you, God, right? It's a sacrifice to you. Aren't you pleased with this, God? which then sort of looks like obedience, but really isn't. And the ultimate end of this is sort of a false surrender. Saul, was, Saul went up to Samuel and said, I, I, I did what the Lord said, right? I did what the Lord said. I, I'm surrendered to the Lord, see? And Samuel's like, no. No, this is not surrender. This isn't what surrender looks like. Surrender looks like in the morning before you ever knew what God was going to ask you, you say Yes whether you understand or not. That's surrender. So how do we choose obedience over sacrifice? How do we actually do this thing and live this thing out? Let me give you three ways I think it plays out in our life. Number one, obey the word of God. And by that, I mean scripture. So there's a number of things that God has already told us to do and not to do, and they're, they're outlined in scripture, and they're pretty clear. And they basically are the same for every Christian. Living out the truth of scripture that applies to every Follower of Jesus. This is not unique to you or unique to me. It's in Scripture, and it's basically universal for anyone wanting to follow Jesus. We start with what everyone has to do in terms of obedience to his word. These are things like this, purity, holiness, forgiveness, and loving others. Like It's not that one group of Christians get kind of a pass on holiness, and the other have to live holy. It's not that one group of Christians have to forgive, but this person over here, you don't really have to forgive. No, no. It's not an option. Across the board, if we're a follower of Jesus, it's been commanded, we forgive those who've hurt us, period. Now, it may be difficult. It may be a process. You may have to work through it with the Lord, but it's not an option. It's not like this person can forgive and this person doesn't have to. It's across the board, universal. We all need to forgive. We all need to love others, right? Love the Lord your God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a universal command. It applies to everyone. This is where obedience begins. But particularly in America and the Western world, We do this, thinking that we deserve an outlet of sin because of all the good things we've done for God. And that's this sacrificial thing. And I mean sacrificial like in the negative way. It's choosing sacrifice over obedience. And we barter with God. We say, God, I've done all these things for you. Can't I just have this little thing over here for me? No, it's just this little thing. It's for me. Can't I just do this little sin? I know it's not right, but I mean, look at all this. I do all this stuff for church. I do all this stuff for people, I serve people, I give. Can't I just have this little thing over here? That is the essence of this kind of thinking that Saul was wrapped up in, choosing sacrifice over obedience. And we got to eradicate it from our lives. The second one, obey the word of the Lord. And by that, I mean something God spoke to you specifically. This is unique to you. This isn't universal for all Christians. These are things that you need to do or not do that may not apply to everyone else. 
there are some in this category. Or it's like different Christians based on their relationship with the Lord, it's going to adjust and change based on where God has them. Let me give you an example, how we process alcohol. Some people just, in order to be obedient, you absolutely need to stay away from it 100% because of your history, because of your past, because of that. You have to stay away from it. That's what obedience looks like. For other people, they can partake in a drink or two, and they're fine, and that's what it looks like for them. They just shouldn't get drunk. Universally, drunkenness, no Christian should be getting drunk, but some Christians can drink, and some Christians really should stay away from it. And those of us who can drink need to be mindful of those who can't, right? We need to... Submit to our brother in that and care for him and love him. Another example, fasting. God may call you to fast, but medically you may not be able to fast with food. Or or even just in your history, if you have an eating disorder in your history, obedience may look like not fasting food, but fasting something else, screen time or Facebook or Instagram or technology or, you know, something. For others who have no issue with food, food is the very thing we need to fast. And I'm in that category. I love me some food. (laughs) So obedience, not for anybody else. I can't put that on anyone else. I can't be like, look, you all need to be fasting. It's not true. But what is true is I need to be. That is true. The Lord said specifically. And if I don't, it's disobedience for you. If you don't, it may not be disobedience for you, but it is for me. Do you see what I'm saying? It's particular to me, so I need to obey. And giving is the same way. There's a number of us in here that give 10% to the church. It's our way of saying to God, look, this is yours. Everything comes from your hand. Everything is a gift from you. And on top of that, people give to charities and nonprofits and ministries and things like that. But, but the bottom line is, like, it may be different for you. Like, if tithing is new for you, then, it, then what obedience may look like is saying, okay, for 2020, I'm going to give 5% of my income, because I just can't, I don't know how to do 10 yet. But then maybe next year, I'll do 6%, and I'll work my way up. Next year, I'll do 7%, and work my way up. Or for some of you, you've been given 10%, 11%, 12% your whole life, and God's like, Thank you for that. But what obedience looks like is he's, he's calling you to give to that ministry. He's calling you to give to that other thing. And it's different for every person. But we don't get to be like, well, they're not doing it. Because he didn't ask them. He asked me. So obedience is about whether I'm willing to say yes. Simple obedience is more pleasing to the Lord than grand gestures of sacrifice. And we can relate it to marriage. I mean, you know, Valentine's Day is great and anniversaries are great and those are great moments for grand gestures. Fellas, let me say it again. (laughs) Those are great moments for grand gestures. (laughs) I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. But what is marriage really about? Is it about the grand gestures? No. Anyone that's been married for any length of time knows it's the daily you know, picking up your toenails, you know. <laughs> Come on, can I get an amen? I mean, it's the, it's the throwing those tissues away. What's that hair doing there still? It's the... Da- <laughs> Look, 
any marriage that's going to be healthy is going to be those daily, everyday obedience, small obedience, small obedience, quick obedience, but small obedience. Every day, day in, day out. Guys, it's the same with the Lord. This is what he's looking for you. He's not looking for your grand gestures. You know what the grandest gesture of all was? Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you. That's the only grand gesture he cares about. But what he wants from you is just the simple, small obedience. All right, number three. Obey the spontaneous promptings of the Holy Spirit. This is not only particular and unique to you, but it's particular and unique to that moment that you're in. It's unique to the moment. It's things that you need to do or not do in that moment that may not apply to future moments. In other words, the Lord is asking you to do it, not anyone else. He's asking you to do it, and he's asking you to do it right now. And that moment is about to pass. It's not coming back. And next time you're in that moment, he may not ask you to do that thing, to pray for that person in front of you, to talk to them, to, to, to give generously to someone. He, he may not ask you to do that every single time. He's just asking you to do it right then, in that moment. And it matters whether you obey in that moment, because that moment's passing. And listen, guys, and I have disobeyed so many times in that moment, and I promise you, you are not guaranteed that that moment comes back. It is unique to the moment, and the Holy Spirit is pressing you, pressing you, pressing you, speaking, still small voice, promptings of the Spirit, to call or text that person. Has that ever happened to you? You're not sure why they came to mind? Maybe you're praying in the morning, maybe you're just driving in the car, maybe you're, I mean, a lot of stuff comes in the shower, am I right? It's because it's the only time you're getting quiet enough to hear them, maybe, but a lot of stuff will come in the shower for me. And I don't have my phone right there, but sometimes it's like, call this person, text this person, check in on this person. And so I just want to say this morning, do it. Do it. Even if you're wrong, what's the worst case scenario? <laughs> hey, man, what's up? What's up? You doing okay? Yep. Super. <laughs> have a good one, you know? Or pray for that person. Pray for that person that's standing in front of you in line at Walmart or Target. Pray for that person that's sitting across from you. I was in a situation, this lady working, sitting across from me at Starbucks, you know, felt like the Lord prompted me to do it. So you start that conversation with God. Oh, come on, right here. Okay, you got to give me more than that. Come on, give me something. Give me something. What am I praying about? He gave me nothing. Because he wants just simple obedience. Mark, you don't need to understand. Just do what I asked you to do. And then when you do, man, beautiful things happen. God just opens up beautiful, beautiful things that you wouldn't expect. Or maybe it's pay for that person. That person, you know, you're driving through the tunnel and, and you forgot your easy pass and everyone's cranky and in a long line and you're paying $4 to go through a tunnel, you know? And the Lord prompts you, hey, hey, pick up the, pick up the, the car behind you, or you're in a drive-through to fast food, or, or you're at a grocery store and you see a young mom and she's struggling a little bit and she's juggling babies and groceries and and you just, the Lord's like, I'm looking for somebody I can count on to pay for that lady. Like, are are you that person? Say yes. Here's the deal, guys. Being resistant to moments of generosity because we give already. Is that false sacrificial thinking? Pay for that lady, but our bills, and I got bills, and I got 
more bills, and I don't have a ton of money. And God, but you know I tithe already. I, uh, God, you know I already give. I already give to that organization. You're honestly asking me to pay for their gr- That's that sacrifice before obedience. Because what we're doing in that moment is, God, look at all that I've done for you. Are you really asking me to be obedient over here? Look at my resume, God. Isn't this lovely? This resume for you. God's like calling us to do it, you know. So, choose obedience over sacrifice. This is your life hack for your spiritual life. Obey the word of God in Scripture. Obey the word of the Lord that's just for you, and obey the spontaneous promptings of the Holy Spirit that are unique to the moment. Choose obedience over sacrifice. Listen, is there one of these that's more difficult for you? I think sometimes it depends on personalities. Those people that are just real gregarious and out there, you know, those people, God love them. <laughs> they love the spontaneous stuff, you know? Man, the spontaneous promptings of the Spirit. Hallelujah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't care if I look crazy. I like looking crazy. There's other personalities, but that, but, but that first one is difficult for that personality. Like looking into God's word and being obedient to what he's called us to do day in, day out, like that's harder for that personality. But there's some of us that are more like, yeah, man, I know God's word and I'm trying to obey his word and do what God's called me to do. But man, when he calls that prompting, man, that prompting is tough. I, I, I resist that. That's hard. Sometimes it just depends like on our personality a little bit. So I think we have some growth edges here. Let me say this. Remember Jeremiah 7.24. God said, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. That's his promise. Listen, when you obey me, I'm never more your God. I am your God and you are my people. There's an intimacy there in obedience. And it will go well with you. Like there's good fruit on the other side. Of obedience. Here's another way of saying it. Obedience brings blessing, and the greatest blessing is that deeper intimacy with God. That's the greatest blessing from obedience. Yes, he gives us other things. Yes, he pours out his provision and his fruit and, he, and, and all these other things that he doesn't have to pour out, and he decides to pour it out anyway because he's gracious. But the greatest, the greatest part about obedience is that that intimacy, that's the payoff, guys. He is the reward. He is the reward. All right, a couple questions. Worship leaders, if you could come on back up here. Is there a part of your life where you're choosing sacrifice over obedience? As you were doing inventory this morning, and as you look at 2020, is there a part of your life that you feel like, yeah, you know, I really, I really have been doing this thing for God? I really have been showing God my resume here in this part of my life, thinking that I don't need to really obey? Where is that part of your life? Secondly, where might you need to give God your yes ahead of time? It is a scary thing to wake up in the morning. And let me say it this way. I dare you to do this. I dare you to get up tomorrow morning, just in a simple time of prayer, and say this. God, you have my yes. Whatever you ask me to do today, you have my yes. See, what's going to happen then is the Lord's then going to call you on it, and he's going to ask you to do something. And then he's going to 
the Holy Spirit's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, do I have your yes? And man, it's painful. It's painful when you don't follow through. I know. I've done it a, a million times. A million times I've woken up in the morning and said, God, you have my yes. And then that moment came and I was like, oh, I can't do it. But there's grace. There's grace. And then you get back up the next day and you do it all over again. You wake up in the morning and you say, God, you have my yes. And there's going to be breakthrough where you will obey. And you'll see the fruit. And it's going to be life-changing for you and for me. Let's be that kind of people that give him our yes ahead of time. This is a prayer Sunday. And if you have any need whatsoever, the prayer team is going to be down the hall in the sanctuary ready to pray for you. If a physical need, emotional need, physical, spiritual, anything like that, relational need, we'll pray for you. This morning, I was praying and I was asking the Lord, and I was saying, do you have any direction for prayer at the end of this service? And I felt like he highlighted two things to pray for. So if this is going on in you, I want you to meet me in that prayer room, okay? The first one was this. I know this sounds weird, but I heard the word hemoglobin, and I saw a picture of a family that Missy and I know where two of the daughters have um, diabetes, type 1 diabetes. So since I don't know much about hemoglobin, maybe you know a lot about hemoglobin, but I looked it up, and there's some connection between hemoglobin and A1C and diabetes. I don't know what the connection is, but if that's you, if that's been a struggle in your body, then I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you today. So meet me in the prayer room. Second thing, I saw a picture of a right ankle, the outside of a right ankle, like the tendons or something. So if you've been having a right ankle that's really been messing with you, that's painful, then I want to see you too. I want to pray for you in that prayer room. Sound good? All right, let's pray. If you have any questions about this morning, you can text this number, and we'll answer them after after everything at the end. Father, we're so grateful that you were the one to make the biggest sacrifice. Jesus, that your sacrifice on the cross was the greatest of all, and no sacrifice we'll ever make will ever compare to it. So Lord, we lay down our attempts to impress you with our sacrifice. God, we just lay it down this morning. God, we want to be obedient. When you tell us to go, we want to go. We want to be the ones that are willing to say yes and follow through. Holy Spirit, I invite you just to expose any part of our heart that is resistant to obeying you, that's been pushing against you. We just surrender that part of us this morning to you. And we want to be the kind of people that just live out a simple obedience, God. That's who we want to be. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen.